Measles was declared eliminated from the United States nearly 15 years ago, but international importation and inadequate vaccination rates have contributed to a resurgence of the disease. There have been more measles cases reported in the United States so far this year than during any year since 1994. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Walter Orenstein, Associate Director of the Emory Vaccine Center and Professor of Medicine, Pediatrics, and Global Health at Emory University. Dr. Orenstein has co-authored a perspective article entitled Mounting a Good Offense Against Measles. Dr. Orenstein, given these two contributors to the measles resurgence, international travel and inadequate vaccination rates, are there certain areas of the United States where the incidence is particularly high? It varies from state to state and from time to time. I think this year Ohio has been particularly heavily hit, but it will vary. The real concern I think I have and others is that as long as we have people who are unvaccinated, who accumulate in the population, is any of them could get hit with an introduction and then suffer a measles outbreak. And that's why it's important to get high vaccination levels everywhere in the country and also very important to try and attack measles at its source and help other countries reduce their measles exposure so that we don't get importations into the U.S. You say that the case fatality rates in the developing world range from 2% to 15%. Where are the highest rates of death due to measles, and what factors are at play in those areas? Usually the highest rates are in some of the least developed areas, and particularly Africa has some of the highest death-to-case ratios. The problem in measles in the developing world is children are often already potentially in poor health from other conditions. And then on top of that, you add measles, which can cause severe respiratory illness. Pneumonia is probably the most common cause of death. And that could be either to the measles virus itself or to a secondary bacterial infection. And also diarrhea and dehydration and also encephalitis but pneumonia and respiratory complications are by far the most significant. Measles is a serious disease, and I think people don't realize it in the United States, though. While death is not common, we do see significant numbers of complications. Many of the children with measles are quite toxic. It's not uncommon to get temperatures as high as 103 to 105 degrees Fahrenheit, very toxic appearing. And a number of years ago, we had a big resurgence, and a lot of the people were hospitalized because of to rule out sepsis. And then pneumonia, ear infections, diarrhea are not uncommon complications even in the United States, although death is not common. But we've seen rates as high as three per thousand, which is not trivial. And as you say in your article, measles affects the community as well as the individual because some people can't be protected, and so they depend on herd immunity. In fact, that's a common criticism of parents who choose not to have their children vaccinated, that they're relying on other people to vaccinate their children. So have outbreaks of any other infectious diseases had an effect on those attitudes about vaccination? For instance, today with concern about Ebola, do you think that vaccination rates in general are going to rise? That's a very tough question. I don't know. I hope Ebola is not here enough to trigger that, but I think it is important for people to realize 
that these diseases are serious. And one of the problems that I had when I was, for example, director of the U.S. immunization program between 1988 and 2004 is to get people to understand that the absence of disease does not mean absence of the risk of disease. And in fact, the more silent it is over the more time, the more susceptibles accumulate. And then when an importation does occur, we can have a bigger outbreak. So I think you hit the nail on the head. We don't want to wait for an outbreak to stimulate higher coverage. That has been the pattern in the past in the United States, is we would have measles up, everybody would get vaccinated, then measles would come down, then there were less interest, and then it would go up. And we don't want to do that. We want to keep a very high level so we don't have to face epidemics in the future. Another problem with waiting for an outbreak is the high cost of stopping the spread of measles during an outbreak. Is there a cost-effectiveness analysis of universal measles vaccination, whether in the United States or in developing countries? There has been in the United States, and measles is very, very cost-effective. Measles vaccination, I should say. And I can't quote the number off the top of my head, but measles is highly cost savings in past analyses. And if you look at it, we had a resurgence of measles in 1989 to 1991, where over a three-year period, we had over 55,000 cases. There were over 11,000 hospitalizations and over 100 deaths in that period. And we don't want to ever go through something like that. And that shows you how serious a disease it could be in the pre-vaccine era. We would have virtually the entire birth cohort was affected every year, about 4 million cases and about 400 to 500 deaths a year in the United States from measles. But how can pediatricians today, dealing with young parents who haven't lived through those epidemics, haven't seen measles, impress on them the seriousness of the disease and the reasons to have their children vaccinated? I think this is challenging, and I think one of the things that's important, in my opinion, is physicians should be reimbursed for vaccine counseling, because if parents have questions, there needs to be some time for pediatricians to be able, or family physicians, to be able to discuss those concerns. And so I think that those costs need to be compensated. Second, the CDC on its website has an excellent set of materials for parents that I think can be used to help pediatricians in discussing issues with parents. And then I think it's important to do more research on trying to find out what are the best ways to deal with parental concerns, how to address their fears of safety or fears that measles, or thoughts, for example, that measles is a trivial disease and vaccines are not needed. And we've had some surprises in several studies recently. So I think it's important to do research on that. But at the meantime, I think the CDC website is one of the best in terms of downloading information and that there are other websites. The Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has a great website on vaccines, the Immunization Action Coalition. So there are websites. I think the CDC website is the first one I would start with. Have other countries seen anti-vaccination efforts like the one in the United States? And if so, are there lessons for us in those? I think there have been some major problems in other countries. In fact, the U.S. 
does a lot better than a number of the countries in Europe. The UK had a particular problem in the past when autism was linked to MMR, or measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. The scientific data now overwhelmingly does not support a role for MMR in autism, but in the UK, coverage drops significantly, and then endemic transmission has been reestablished. I think the issue is we don't yet have the best way of knowing how to address these problems. The National Vaccine Advisory Committee is actually has a group addressing the issue of vaccine confidence and what best to do about it, and they will be making a report in the next year. The Strategic Advisory Group of Experts on Immunization, or SAGE, which is the equivalent of our Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices for the World Health Organization, is also set to make recommendations on dealing with vaccine hesitancy, since this is not just a U.S. problem, it's a global problem. Thank you, Dr. Ornstein.